1: Thank you so much for subscribing to Satellite Sisters. This is Liz Dolan and the show you are about to hear is my little sister, Leanne Dolan's show, Chaos Chronicles. This is Leanne's solo effort that she does every week. So this is the third of our three shows that we bring you each week. And every week we get email from you asking how you can support Satellite Sisters and Chaos Chronicles even more. So here's my list. Number one, you can subscribe on iTunes. It helps us to we have a lot of subscribers, and you write reviews at iTunes about how much you love our show. If you if you, if you feel that way, please, but review us if you feel positively about us. Uh, number two, Stitcher is a service we recommend all, a lot. You can listen online, or you can download the app to your phone. Having the app on your smartphone is really great. You can listen to all of your favorite podcasts there, and of course, we know we are your favorite So be sure to give us a thumbs up every time you listen to our show or uh, write a review at Stitcher.com. You can write a review. We're in their top 100 right now. We want to get in their top 50 people, so let's make this happen. Uh, number three, you can share our show on Facebook or Twitter. Whenever we have a new show, we post it on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group and we tweet it out. If you want to share that on to your own Satellite Sisterhood or retweet that to all of your own followers, that would be really great for us because your Satellite Sisters are our Satellite Sisters. If you're listening to us through another service that we're not aware of, an RSS feed that you get, or some other app that uh, provides you with your favorite podcast, send us that information to sisters at SatelliteSisters.com. And then we can make sure that we're really distributing the show uh, to everyone that needs it. So here you go. Um, Again, thank you so much for your ongoing support of Satellite Sisters. This is the latest episode of Lee and Dolan's Chaos Chronicles.
0: listening to the chaos chronicles i'm Leon dolan here in pasadena california very happy to be with you today it's a beautiful day here in southern california and it is particularly gorgeous to me because i have just returned triumphant from the department of motor vehicles yes my second son passed his driver's permit test i'm going to tell you all about that in just a second but first later on on the show we're going to talk about um we're going to talk about birth order and siblings and 28 signs you're dealing with the youngest child in a family. It's a piece I put together this week for the Huffington Post. And I was going to share some of my observations with you, uh, the differences between younger kids in the family and the oldest child in the family. And also this week, we're going to talk about mindfulness, an interesting article in the New York Times this week that I thought was kind of an appropriate follow-up to our discussion from last week about trying to monitor your children online full-time. And my feeling has become that that is impossible. You cannot possibly monitor their behavior. You would literally be standing behind them 24 hours a day from the time they turn like 11 to the time they go off to college. So instead, I suggested we just teach our children to be good people, <laughs> whether they're online or off, and to use good judgment and uh, to stay involved and interactive in their lives. Well, this week in the New York Times, there was a piece about um, corporations using Teaching their employees mindfulness, how that's become a new corporate buzzword, because with the more gadgets we have, the more distracted and unfocused we are in business meetings, at work, when we're trying to be doing, you know, big thinking, big breakthrough idea thinking, we can't focus anymore. So corporations are spending a lot of time and a lot of money teaching employees mindfulness so i have an idea for parents at home it's i I think it actually does relate maybe not i don't know and then a couple of other things we're going to talk about podcast awards still voting for that on a daily basis why don't you do that now (laughs) hey you can do that now while you're listening uh podcastawards.com, vote and verify, and also trying to mount a tiny write-in campaign for Elizabeth, the first wife, for an award, um, too. So I hate to keep bugging people about awards, but they're sort of important. So sorry about that. Um, But first, the DMV. All right. um, I am one of I I think maybe a minority of parents, I'm totally into my kids getting their license. I feel like it's fantastic. It's freedom for them. It's freedom for me. Yes. Is it nail biting? Sure. Do you worry? Of course. But I think the longer you delay it, it doesn't mean they're going to be better drivers. I I think you just need to bite the bullet and go for it. But here in California, we have a system, and I don't know if this is true in your state, where you get your permit, you have to take a 50-question test to get your permit, and then you have six months, and then you take the driving test. You actually take the written test before you've ever driven a car. <laughs> and it has proven to be problematic. I know my sons are not the only kids in California to have failed uh, the written test, um, uh, initially. Uh I I can vouch that my sister Sheila also failed the written test when she first moved to California. You see a lot of adults in the DMV in Southern California taking the written test time and time again, because it is not an easy test. And it is particularly not easy to take a test about driving if you've never driven before. <laughs> so... So, it's been a challenge as a mother to get my boys through the early stages of the permit test. So, my younger son, Colin, he took an online class this summer, again, That's the law. You have to take this bogus six-hour online class, and then you go in and take the written test. And it is a hard test. And you know those questions. Like, you're in a a four-lane highway with a median, and you need to take a U-turn. The first thing you should do is... Pull into the median, A, pull into the median and initiate the turn from there. You know, B, get into the left lane, initiate the turn from there. Or like C, drive wildly over th- four lanes of traffic. And, you know, it's those kind of questions and those are hard to envision. If you've never driven before for anybody, but the DMV in Southern California, it's just a scene. I know I've talked about this before and my older son was getting his lesson, his license. Like, how is it possible that there is not a sitcom set at the DMV? I know Parks and Rec is kind of like that, but the DMV here is like the United Nations in just the most base form It's just chaotic, hits people of all ages and races, speaking like 26 languages. The people behind the counter speak one language. The people in front of the counter speak another. It is nuts. The fact that it works at all is a miracle. And, you know, it actually does work, even though I can't figure out for the life of me what the process is. Because with my older son, took him two tries to get the permit two tries to get the license. Uh, say no more. Uh, and my younger son, two tries to get the permit. So they actually spent quite a bit of time in the DMV <laughs> over the last three years. And... Every time we go, it's a different system and it's the same layout. It's just, you know, like last time he, he didn't, he was allowed to get, Colin was allowed to get nine wrong on the driving test or eight wrong. He got nine. So we had to wait two weeks and come back. And when they, we, they said, just walk right in. When you come back, just walk right in and take the test. Oh. Why do we believe that? And we were there for an hour and a half today. It wasn't really walk right in for some reason, even before he took and passed the test, they wanted to take his picture, even though they hadn't taken his picture last time before he took and did not pass the test. (laughs) Just the process is, does not appear to be the same anytime you walk in there. And yet the outcome today was excellent that after an hour and a half, he did actually get his permit. He had his picture taken. And, uh, and he was thrilled and I was thrilled because I got to do about an hour and 10 minutes worth of standing ab work right there, because that's what my yoga teacher has told us to do whenever we're waiting in line, just do some pelvic tilts. So I was doing, (laughs) I was at the DMV, just observing the chaos around me. Oh, the people coming in, there was one guy, he like was smoking pot right right out in front of the door of the DMV, and then walked in to take his driving test. It was unbelievable. I was like, keep what? It was just, oh, that's a good feeling. I hope that question isn't on the test. And, I mean, the people getting their pictures taken happened to be standing right there, and there was a little mirror, and then they turned to me for sort of freelance styling advice, like, oh, yeah, yeah, your hair looks good. Your pink hair, it looks excellent. <laughs> yes, there was a girl there with pink hair. Red hair and blue hair. So, all different kinds of hairs, all different ages. There was like a, I don't know, like a 150 year old woman, and she was taking the driving, the written driving test, but I know she brought hers in from her car. Like, Everybody else seemed to have to go to a room to take the test. But I don't know. She got some sort of special dispensation, (laughs) which I didn't really understand. Because if anybody should have to be watched to take the driving test, it's a 150-year-old woman. And uh, no, she just waltzed right in and said, here's my test (laughs) produced from my car. I don't know what was happening there. There was a lot going on, but, uh, I was standing there. Colin was, I couldn't go obviously in with him or anything. Uh, and when he came out, he gave me the thumbs up and I was like, how'd it go? He goes, mom, I, he goes, there are 25 people in the room. The five people in front of me failed the test, failed the test, failed the test, failed the test. The only three of us that passed in our group, he goes, it was uh, a woman with tight black jeans on. And I was like, oh, and pink hair. He goes, yeah, (laughs) she passed. Okay. Pink hair passed. He said the other guy was like an old guy with a beard, a Harley Davidson shirt with the skull on it, tattoos on his arms. and And he said, I thought he had a teardrop tattooed under his eye and i was like oh no now i'm in trouble and i started looking for the exits but it actually was not a teardrop it was a um breast cancer awareness ribbon that he had tattooed right on his face which i gotta say (laughs) that's commitment to the cause is it not that is commitment to the cause so that was the group that passed 15 year old colin the harley davidson guy with the face tattoo and the pink haired gal they all (laughs) they got their permits today they passed their driver's test so their written test but i i was so excited i said let's go let's go get you a chocolate chip cookie before i take you to school and i'm going to get a bran muffin and i just was thinking remember when you used to be able to eat muffins without being like Oh, hugely aware that they're like a thousand calories. Wasn't that like the late 80s, early 90s, when those giant muffins started appearing and they were so delicious? And then that's, you know, Center for the Social Services or Center for Science or whatever, consumer science. Those people, those killjoys said, Oh, yeah, that muffin you're enjoying is 850 calories. Well, I didn't care today. I had a big old brand muffin and I enjoyed it. So, very happy to have uh, another son on the road six months he needs to drive learn what to do and then he'll go (laughs) take the actual driving test which will be another whole situation but I I, I fail to understand how there is not a sitcom set at a Southern California DMV because the whole thing is just nuts it's nuts Chaos Chronicles is back. Thanks so much. Um, You know what? A lot of great emails and posts and messages last week about how excited you were to have the Chaos Chronicles back. I really appreciate that. Uh, I feel re-energized and I'm glad you're happy that I'm back. Also, many thanks to my guest from last week, Kristen Beckworth-Radcliffe. A lot of people wanted to get her contact information, join her Facebook page. I think it really resonated with a lot of parents out there. Uh, Her situation with her daughter who experiences anxiety. So I'm really happy that I could bring her story to the Chaos Chronicles. Next week, I'm also going to have another guest. It, w- it went so well. I decided to get my act together, get some more guests in here. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking to longtime Satellite Sister listener and Chaos Crew uh, member, Bets White. And Bets um, is a fabric designer and a pattern creator and the author of a best... Two best selling crafting and sewing books. And she has a beautiful website um, called betzwhite.com, B E T Z W H I T E, betzwhite.com. And um, what I like about Bets is we are Twitter friends. Uh, I know that she listens to the show, but I also know we have like the same working hours, even though she's on the East Coast and I'm on the West. And, um, you know, so we res- we respond to each other's tweets, which is fun uh, because she obviously works alone and I do too. So I feel like co-workers, even though I've never met her. And so I was thinking of just interesting moms I would like to talk to about their work. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to ask Bets, And uh, so I emailed her and she's in for next week. But, um, you know, of course, I don't have any crafting skills or sewing <laughs> or, or design skills. So <laughs> I am fascinated by her career. And I often just enjoy going to her website and sort of breathing deeply. That is how relaxing I find her beautiful website even though I cannot do any of the crafts on the website. Like she had these beautiful felt polar bears and I thought, "Well, that would be a nice gift for my grandniece and nephew for Christmas." And then I realized, "Oh, you have to make the polar bears." <laughs> so won't be doing that, but I will be talking to Bets next week. Um so, and speaking of like breathing deeply, okay, great article in the New York Times. Uh about mindfulness this weekend. And why I found it interesting is because it's something I've sort of been trying to work on myself. So I didn't know, you know, because I work at home alone, uh, that I was part of a big corporate buzzword. <laughs> I just feel like, who I had a lot going on over the last six months. My, you know, my attention was really bifurcated. And and now I have to get back to writing fiction, which is so attention heavy. And I've really just been trying, and just in general, to go, to try to do one thing at a time and just to increase my mindfulness and not, you know, move around and check this and check that and check something else while I'm writing or while I'm cooking or while I'm with my family. I feel like it was a super busy three years taking care of my parents and everything that happened. And, uh, that now I have, a chance to sort of renew my commitment to being in the moment. Uh, And many times over the last couple of years, I just wasn't. My mind was someplace else. So I've been doing it in my own simple way. (laughs) Mainly I go to yoga because I couldn't possibly do that on my own. Like when I hear people meditate, like they sit at home, I I couldn't do that. I have to go somewhere. I have to have someone sort of lead me through it. But it does sort of set me up for the rest of the day. And then my husband and I have been having a lot of conversations about – his his increasing frustration with people being increasingly distracted in work meetings and what that's like to present and to have everybody in the room looking down at their phones you know responding to emails and stuff like that we didn't used to do that people did we we used to be able to sit in a meeting room we had our yellow pads and we knew that we had voicemail, like, you know, I'm not talking the dark ages of technology. We had email collecting. We just didn't have the ability to look at the email, like, right that instant. And you know what? We all lived. And we should try to get back to that. And so this article in the New York Times was basically centered in Silicon Valley and where they are, there are several um, corporate programs now and social meetup groups. Things like Wisdom 2.0, it's a communal meeting space uh, where um, people in the tech industry who are so overwrought with their gadgets can go to learn to do one thing at a time. And Google offers these classes online about mindfulness and they, quote, sell out in like five minutes when they offer them because so many Google employees want to learn, oh, how do I do one thing at a time? I don't know how to do that. But it's not just a young person's problem. You see it all over the place, right? People can't just sit and listen anymore or sit and look out the window. There's always something. We can't just even sit and watch TV, right? Now we're encouraged to even have our screens open and interact with other people in other places via Twitter who are watching the same TV event. Can we just sit and eat popcorn? (laughs) No, apparently we can't even do that anymore. So I'm gonna post a link to this article uh, at chaoschronicles.com because I think you'll enjoy it if it's something that you're struggling with in your own life or if you're a manager. There's a lot of corporate stuff in here, um, but a lot of really good advice, even if you're just struggling with it. But it did make me think about my our discussion last week about teenagers and or kids and being online and how we need to monitor them and what. What are we doing and why can't we, you know, stop all the bullying that ever goes on or we don't know what they're doing and we need to be standing over their shoulder. And it's so easy for people who don't have kids in the like 11 to 18 year old range to point and go, you need to be monitoring your kids when you know, like there's just no possible way you can do that. There's no human way you can do that. So my feeling was like, eh, well, if we just teach them to be good people hopefully that will translate into good online behavior. Like, let's just start there. Let's start being connected with them. So I was thinking about this mindfulness problem from a parenting point of view too. And I realized like a couple of things, like I, there's a couple of things that we've done along the road, uh, with our kids that I think have actually translated Into them being able to stay one task at a time when they're in a workplace situation, but it all really centers on pretty much the family dinner table. Like I I keep, you know, we know how important eating family, eating dinner together is a couple of nights a week. You know, we know how important it is. It, It manages to do everything from like keep our kids thinner, to keep them off of drugs, to keep them from getting pregnant. I don't know how eating family dinners does all that stuff, but I think it again is that connectiveness. But from this standpoint of like workers and bosses and being in a meeting and one thing at a time, it also keeps people mindful like you're there. There are no gadgets. There are no phones. There are no computer screens. And you are just eating and talking and sharing stories and focusing on one person and then another and I thought you know I think that would translate pretty well if we're trying to quote teach mindfulness in our own homes which is a big idea for kids and uh you know I see kids going to yoga classes I'm like well good for them but I don't know. <laughs> it's just not something my boys would have stood for at age 11 but good for them. <gasps> I don't know if we can really teach them meditation. I don't know if we can teach them, you know, one task at a time. But I think at least at the dinner table, we have a shot of getting them through a conversation, a collective group conversation, um, and not turning to their email, not looking at their phone. So we got that going for us parents. So just another reason why... Even if it's a struggle, even if it's a pain in the neck, you may not be able to monitor your kids' online usage 24 hours a day, but dinner a couple nights a week, good. And you know what also I'm good with? (laughs) Because I know now, again, people who don't have kids, it's easy to say family dinner, but we all know if we have kids, like all kinds of things are scheduled at 6 p.m. at night now that used to not be scheduled, like sports practices or rehearsals or piano lessons or SAT tutoring. What is that? So I think anything counts. I think any, anything counts. Like if it's eight o'clock at night, turn off the TV, go sit out in your living room, go, you know, go away from any gadgets and have any conversation face-to-face for a set amount of time where people aren't looking at their phones and they're engaged and listening and making eye contact. That works for me too. <laughs> dinner, dinner does not have to be involved. Okay. <laughs> so I think their future bosses will thank us. That's what I think we should work with. Coming up, a little discussion on birth order. There was a funny piece in the Huffington Post this week about 28 signs that you're the oldest child. You're dealing with an oldest child. And, of course, I couldn't relate to it at all, being the youngest of eight, so I wrote my own response piece, which then got picked up by the Huffington Post. But I'm going to go over a few things, a few signs. Signs if you're the oldest, signs if you're the youngest. And I want those middle children, I want all of you out there to to speak up. Let us know what it's like to be the middle child. Stay with me. You're listening to The Chaos Chronicles. All right, breaking news. (laughs) I don't usually leave the house in the middle of the show, but uh, got a little backed up at the DMV and I had an appointment at one o'clock, so I had to rush out and uh, take care of the appointment after that last segment but i just picked up my husband's christmas present so very excited now i got a notice on my front door um a couple of weeks ago uh hi i'm an artist and i painted your house uh if you'd like to see it it's a watercolor if you'd like to see it you know here's my number you can contact me and so i thought well sure i'd like to see it anyway <laughs> of course i thought like why my house? Because <laughs> I have a fine house, but it 's a very fine house, but i 'm in a neighborhood where there are a lot of better houses, basically, or I think more picturesque houses or houses that are evocative of a certain period, and ours is just kind of a um, generic california house that 's the way I think of it it. In a in a neighborhood where we have a lot of craftsmen, and we have Spanish, and we have we have one house that looks like a ski chalet. I'm not kidding you, like a giant Swiss chalet. And, uh, you know, instead we have like you know a greenhouse built in 1927, but just a greenhouse. So uh, I was intrigued why she picked my house in the first place. So I just ran down to her studio. It was a charming print, and she said <laughs> very politely, "I like to do houses." Uh, across the whole spectrum i have the grand houses she showed me and i have the charming craftsman bungalows and i have everything in between so it's a very charming watercolor of my house so i bought it for my husband for christmas there i am done check (laughs) check it was either that or a keurig And, and seeing i already have a keurig uh i'm glad i got the watercolor So, okay, where were we? Um, no, I wanted to talk about, uh, sibling order. There was a really funny piece on the Huntington, uh, uh, the Huffington Post on Monday, uh, called 28 Signs You're Dealing with an Older Child. And it was written by their parenting editor there, Lisa Belkin. Lisa Belkin from the New York Times, um, and her great blog, Mother Load, which then she took to the Huffington Post. But Lisa Belkin was another host on XM when we were on XM. She also had her own show and she was on Satellite Sisters. So we know each other a little bit. And uh, so I was, and she's a terrific writer and she's a real journalist. So all of her pieces are sort of anchored in, um, well, fact, which I, (laughs) which I enjoy. But this one was just a fun piece that was crowdsourced, uh, and then they put it together with one of those wacky slideshows. So it was very funny visuals and it was all about the older child just really being like smart, a know-it-all, you know, thinks they can tell you what to do. There were some quirky things like drinks tea in the morning and milk at night and, um, you know, stunned that older brother, you know, younger sister got cell phone in middle school and they had to wait till, you know, high school because cell phones weren't invented yet, things like that, you know, but basically made the, the oldest child out to be bossy and smart. And um, and I mean bossy in a good way. Uh, and it was a response, actually, to a recent a couple of recent studies that have come out from social scientists who have found that, in fact, the oldest child is smarter. I, I'm not sure by what measure. I think it's pretty much test scores. Um, and the social scientist said the reason is that mom and dad, frankly, um, not only paid more attention to them, but actually cared more about their... <laughs> success than say subsequent siblings. So, um, so, you know, they not only think they're smarter, they actually are smarter. So, uh, that's fine. I think arguable, uh, I think you're going to find variances from family to family. And, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with the fact that maybe mom and dad Focused a little bit more on their success than subsequent siblings. And I say that as uh, somebody who's the youngest of eight children. So um, I can tell you honestly, and I'm not kidding, honestly, my parents did not even know where I applied to college. So (laughs) they literally didn't know. When I told them I was going to, I got into Pomona and I'd like to go there, they're like, where is that? What is that school? So I think that's fair to say. They were not paying as much attention to me as, say, my older brother Jim or my older sister Julie, Uh, the two firstborns in their gender in our family. So I thought it would be fun, because I had such a different experience in growing up as an oldest, to actually write a response to the Huffington Post about, you know, the view from the youngest child's seat, or the way, way back, (laughs) because that's where I sat for the first 12 years of my life, and people really didn't understand why I kept getting car sick. They kept referring to me as the car sick sister. Well, yeah, maybe that's because I'm turned around going backwards in the back back seat of the car. Maybe if they had a real seat in the family station wagon, I wouldn't throw up every time we went more than 10 minutes away Uh, so I had fun writing 28 signs you're dealing with the youngest child and um you know one includes uh answers to almost any name like literally any name I mean I find one I have a hard name and two I just expect people to call me the wrong name I'll answer to anything sometimes it really makes me laugh and uh when we were growing up I know particularly just cause there were so many Dolan girls. There was one mom in town that just called us all generically Lisa for some reason. <laughs> so, we were, we were all Lisa, even though none of us were Lisa. We all, and we never corrected her cause it just made us laugh. Um, But that still happens. The other day at Starbucks, they looked up, they looked at my name, and they go, Cian? I was like, Cian? Wow, that's a name I've never been called before. I'll take it. Uh, This was number eight on my list of 28 things you can expect from a younger child. Rarely expects a bed at large family gatherings. Prefers futons, couches, or a tent in the backyard, just like childhood. And I went on to explain that um, at my sister Julie's wedding, my mother actually made my brother and I sleep in a tent for three nights. <laughs> because Apparently the room that we called our bedroom, even though I think a real estate agent might call it a den, uh, the room we called our bedroom had been turned into a staging area. So we just s- slept in a tent and you know, I was 13. It wasn't like I was small and he was 16. <laughs> and so, and I talked to Julie this week. She goes, really? You you had to sleep in a tent. I have no memory of that. Where was the tent? I was like, it was in the backyard and we pitched it every night and then we had to take it down during the day. So we didn't embarrass everybody in the family that we were (laughs) sleeping in a tent for your wedding. So she had no idea that that's what we had done for her home wedding. And then a corollary to that, I wrote on my list is that, um, you know, Constantly surprises older siblings with references to, quote, playing on the high school tennis team or, quote, going to college as older siblings have no recollection of any of these events. And that is 100 percent true. Almost every time I say, like, oh, yeah, in, in high school, when I played on the tennis team, Sheila will look at me and go, you played tennis growing up? <laughs> I was like, Yeah for like 12 years i mean it's just a sign that your siblings as much as you th- they're there all the time they're in their own world and so it really made me laugh when Sheila said that you played tennis growing up yeah and apparently that's common because i heard several comments from people on the blog it's exactly what happens to their house uh for some reason if you're the youngest in the family like when you leave you get everything. Like, your parents just unload everything on you. So, I, for instance, at one point had like everybody's high school yearbook. Like, <laughs> i mean, like, it seems unnecessary to give them all to me or like everyone who's left a box of albums or you know a box of books from college that all comes with you so you have a record collection that's like four copies of boz gag silk degrees or you know four copies of go ask alice in your library so that's all in you and that seems to be a common experience for younger kids for comments and then uh Uh, uh, number 22 on my list thrilled at spacious college dorm room and awesome bunk bed (laughs) I I remember my college dorm room it was so small it was supposed to be a single but they were sort of overbooked that year so they doubled us up and it was a bunk bed I didn't blink at all I was like this is great oh wow fantastic I've never had a bunk bed (laughs) Because usually I'm in a tent in the backyard. And then uh, 26, 27, and 28 learns from others' mistakes, stays under the radar, and gets away with murder. And that is very, very true. If you thought that was true of your younger siblings, it absolutely was true. So you can see, I'll put a link to the Huffington Post piece uh, at Chaos Chronicles. You can see that there, both pieces. If you're the oldest, you're going to want to look at the original piece by Lisa Belkin. And if you're the youngest, take a look at mine. And if you're a middle child please feel free in the comments, uh, to write your perspective. My sister Liz said she's threatening to do a list about the middle child. And I think she should. Cause again, you have your own vibe growing up. Uh, we may not be the smartest, but we could be the funniest, you know, could be the funniest. That's all I'm saying. You don't know. All right. What else is happening here? Um, whew, nothing much. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is just one um tidbit that I read today in the l a Times, and uh I'm thrilled it's apropos of nothing and but I just I feel like the time has finally come because this is a thought I've had in my head for the last couple of years uh there is a new um salon manicure pedicure salon in Los Angeles that has opened up just for men yep, it's like the cheap Manny Petty salon where I enjoy going, except it's for men. So it's called, and I think this is a great name, Hammer and Nails. <laughs> and it's for Mangelinos, which I thought was very funny. And uh, all I can say is it's about time because I, I get maybe one Manny Petty a month. You know, but here in Southern California, it's kind of the thing to do. And it's not very expensive because we have a ton of, uh, we have a ton of places. So it's literally 22 bucks for a mani-pedi and it's a nice hour. And I actually find it good because I can't do anything. Speaking of mindfulness, I can't write or do it or read or anything. So I I often use the 45 minutes to an hour that it takes to work on a column or a show or a blog piece, to work out something in my mind that I'm writing. So I think of it as a work expense, okay? That's why I'm trying to justify the 22 bucks I spend every two or three weeks. And, um, but I've noticed in the last four or five years that increasingly when I go in to my, you know, strip mall mani Petty place, um, that there'll be, you know, eight chairs and one station will be a man. And it just throws the whole balance of the thing off. Okay, I know you're entitled, and I I know men have gross feet, so great. I'm glad you're caring for your feet and your nails. I have no problem with that. But we just... We kind of online there at the Manny Petty place, the people giving it and the women there, like we're bonding and you throw the balance off men. So I was in a, getting, um, a special mani Petty for Halloween for my witch's costume, kind of an, a green gray nails, which I don't usually do. And then a guy came in and you could just feel like the whole vibe change. So I hope this is a trend that more of these, uh, mani-pedi places, hammer and nails open up because, <laughs> yes. you know, I like men. I just, I just don't want them there with me. Okay. This is nothing personal like you men, but just get your own mani petty place. All right. Stay with me. My to-do list coming up. See, that was quick. Uh, Leon Dolan here. Thank you so much for joining me. You can always find me at chaoschronicles.com. My Twitter is at Leanne Dolan. And then I, I have a large presence on Facebook in many different places. Just my personal page, the Chaos Chronicles page, the Satellite Sisters Open Group, or the Satellite Sisters page, the College Bound Chronicles. Whew. Okay, speaking of mindfulness, i got to get a little bit more focused. But I have one favor to ask. If you're listening to this on uh Friday or Saturday or Sunday. Um, I think it's just actually, if you're listening to this, the eighth or the ninth, I think votes close the ninth. Goodreads, which is the big social network for um, book readers, book lovers, has a like people's choice awards every year for their books. And Elizabeth, the first wife wasn't officially nominated in any category, but there are write-in opportunities. So, if you're on Goodreads or you're interested in joining Goodreads because you want to swap book lists and book reviews and things like that, um, there is a write-in opportunity and just till the ninth. So if you're there, if it's not too much of a pain in the neck, <laughs> if you're thinking of it he's uh, just writing Elizabeth the First Wife in the romance category I don't think I have a shot at general fiction because it's a lot of big titles with big authors but in romance uh, it would be fun just to get a write-in nomination a lot of you have done it many many thanks appreciate it so much and then it is election week so one more thing it is the podcast awards uh, those run until the 15th you can vote at podcastawards.com Satellite Sisters is up for the general category and the People's Choice category. So if you want to vote for us in those categories, great. Uh, particularly People's Choice we're interested in. I know many of you are also Manic Mommies listeners and they're in the general category. So feel free. They do a very fine job on their podcast. If you vote for Satellite Sisters and People's Choice to split your vote with Manic Mommies in general and then don't forget the History Chicks and Education and that's at podcastawards.com. I'll put links to these two things at Uh, the chaos chronicles blog. So if you want to get in on either the write in nomination for Elizabeth, the first wife in the romance category, that would be great. I promise after these podcast awards are over, I won't ask for one more thing for the rest of the year. It's just, this is the time when they start compiling all those lists and, and stuff like this matters a little bit for me as a writer, from a business standpoint. Um, for my next book, just to be able to say to the publisher, okay, well, I was a Reader's Choice Award, something like that, that actually sort of matters and resonates. And I, I'm hoping that you enjoyed it in the romance category over at Goodreads. <laughs> okay. Um, my to-do list this weekend, I mentioned on Tuesday, Satellite Sisters, that I'm doing alumni interviews at my college tomorrow admissions interviews. So I'm really looking forward to that. I always like going out to Claremont. I went to school at Pomona College. I always like going out to Claremont. It's a beautiful little town. So I am looking forward to that. And then the last thing I have to do, um, I bought a whole bunch of tulip bulbs this year <laughs> and I don't know what came over me. I just, I, I thought, Once I had a tulip garden, like one year, someone planted a tulip garden for me. I actually bought it at a school auction. One of those auction items, like, I'll come to your house and plant a tulip garden. And so they came and they did it and it was beautiful. And that was like 13 years ago and I've never done it again. So I had the opportunity to buy some tulip bulbs at Longview at a discounted price because they were a sponsor of BlogHer. So I just went and I ordered hundreds of tulip bulbs and, uh... It, it was a bargain. Uh But I got about halfway through the planting <laughs> and lost steam. So I have, it's like a telltale heart in the garage. I have these tulip bulbs that are like, needing to be planted and i have to get them in this week or else i think it will be too late we we don't have uh you know we have a short season here in in california anyway you gotta first of all you have to wait to get the bulbs in the ground till it gets cold uh, slightly colder at night and then they bloom pretty quick so i gotta get them in so that's uh that's my plan for sunday i'm doing alumni interviews tomorrow but then i am working out in the garden i am tulip bulbing uh (laughs) on Sunday or else I'll just feel bad. Like I killed the tulip bulbs. You know, they just, they're just beating in the garage, calling my name and I have to plant them. I have to get them in the ground. So that is on my to-do list this week. I'm always curious as to what's on your to-do list. You know, we used to regularly do that, didn't we? Oh, it's all coming back to me now, right? On the blog, we used to put our to-do Friday to-do list. It was fun to see what people were doing. I just should, i got to fire that up again. Uh, Should I do it on Facebook or the blog? Oh, you do it both places. But, um, I know some of you weren't on Facebook. So let's try that again, (laughs) shall we? All right, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. And don't forget, embrace your chaos.